0: To more than movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay.
1: Today we go down the lynch rabbit hole again.
0: And we celebrate our favorite female heroes. Plus another round of series survival. It's time
1: for a top three turf war.
0: Ivana, last week Black Widow dropped on Disney Plus and in theaters. In the US, here in Toronto, theaters weren't open, so we were uh forced to pay those hefty premium access fees Ooh,
1: yeah. on Disney yeah, Plus. The, uh, the premium rentals. <laughs> That's
0: right. Uh, and I I did. I don't know if you did. I, I paid the fees. I'm the guy. If you're wondering, who would ever pay this much? It's me. And it got us thinking, you know what? We should be celebrating our favorite female superheroes uh including black widow including all of them and it uh you know it got us singing of a top three turf war
1: so i haven't seen it yet i just i need to like say that i i'm a a bad marvel watcher at this moment actually i really am excited to see this movie um i didn't see it last weekend i'm not ready to sit in a movie theater i am in the states but i'm not ready for that yet um And I was like considering do I wait and maybe see it in a drive like a drive in in the safety of my own car or should I just rent it for for home viewing? And I haven't really decided which way I'm going to go.
0: Lots of ways you can go on that. It is uh, I will say like it was fun, but I ultimately it didn't land in my top five or even I don't even know if it'll be top 10 of my favorite Marvel movies. But it is a fun time and they introduce a new character who I do hope we see again.
1: Florence Pugh. I've heard only amazing things and I've heard that basically she steals the movie.
0: She totally does. She does all the heavy lifting for Scarlett. Uh, Not that Scarlett's not awesome. She is, but she is totally overshadowed by Pugh and and to be honest, uh, the Red Guardian as well, I found. Uh, those two uh, are the, okay. the 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 better parts of the and they're the funny parts of the film. Let's face it, like usually the Marvel pieces that are really funny, upstage the ones who are a little more serious.
1: That's true. And and admittedly, I mean, um, Black Widow's a pretty serious character, so you know.
0: But that leads us into our top three turf war. What are you thinking for your number three favorite superhero lady? So,
1: my number three favorite superhero lady is um, new. New for me. Brand new. Yeah, like I didn't really follow her in the comics. Uh, I didn't really like her in the Marvel movies. I was like, meh. Or Avengers movies, I should say. Okay. But then a TV show came up and into the world and delivered to me one of the greatest superheroes and that is Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet ah. Witch. Specifically because of WandaVision, WandaVision let her shine, let her actually have a personality, let her fucking do the acting thing that she is so good at because honestly, she is very good. Um, and, and I just loved it. I loved the show. I loved her. It made me get excited about the character because, okay, so I'm, as you know, as a redhead, every Marvel character that is a redhead, every superhero (laughs) that is a redhead is like, I zone in, but I never really got it. Like I always like, I would read like the bios and I wasn't really big into the, like I would read more about the superheroes than I would be reading the comics And she just never landed with me. And then in the Avengers movies, I just thought she was always such a small character. And like they didn't give her good stuff that like really resonated with me. But WandaVision changed everything. Now I'm like legit wanting to watch and like see like comics that she's in. She's amazing. I freaking love her.
0: The Scarlet Witch is a massive comic book person. Well, when, when you were putting together your stuff, were you thinking like they had to have been on the screen or did you pick some actual comic book characters too?
1: Well, I mean, everyone had to come from a comic book, uh, but, and, and one of my characters, I love her from comics, not from screen. I mean, she's fine from screen too, but like she's on my list because of the comics, um, Number two on my list, I also have never seen her in a movie. So she's only for comics.
0: So I well, guess, see, yeah. Well, see, this is interesting. Yeah. So you went... Because Kamala Khan, to me, her show isn't out yet. So I haven't seen her... I've seen her in video games. Like, that's my on-screen... Is that your number three? No, 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 no. That, sorry. So I have gone with, like, has to have been on the TV screen somewhere... Uh, And I had to have watched that series. But I know from the comic books, I know from the video games that Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is going to be like probably my number one of all time favorite female superhero. 100%. Like I can tell you this. I tell you this now before the series is right. With that said, I went with. Spider Gwen from Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh,
1: oh, I like that one. Good choice.
0: I love Gwen Stacy from that universe. I love her punk attitude. And uh, I I do read the comics. Spider Gwen in the comics is always very quiet. She thinks a lot. She's meticulous. And uh, whenever she's around Peter Parker in the comic books, it's really weird Uh, because obviously... The Peter from our timeline, or, or the Earth that is the main Earth, he let Gwen Stacy die, or or he didn't. He tried to save her. He may have caused her death. Like you know, there's that controversy right, right, right. of like, did she did she break the neck, or like did she when she's too close to the ground and hit her like hit her head. Who knows, right? Uh, but break the neck. I think it's break the neck. It's Spider-Man's fault. That's fine. It's your fault, Peter. Come you know on. what? It it's makes it
1: fault. a more interesting story for it to be his fault. So that's the better choice.
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever she pops up in the comics, I love it because it always adds this dynamic. And in, into the spider verse, I find that Gwen, Spider-Gwen is like, she is his biggest advocate, wants him to do better. Sticks around because she felt it first. She knows like, oh, you're a person that is like me. And I, I really dig that. I, I think they have a great connection. I love the little romance between Gwen and Miles. And she's just badass. Can't wait to see more of her. Uh, it would be great if we saw like another Spider-Man series and like it was a Spider-Gwen person. I, I know we'll see it in Into the Spider-Verse. But perhaps the MCU could introduce her as well. That would be amazing.
1: Oh, I, I love Into the Spider-Verse is my number one favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. It's, I've seen it twice and that's very- That is for me,
0: good for you.
1: Yeah, that's good for me, especially <laughs> for like superhero stories.
0: Number two, Ivana, what is your number two?
1: My number two, I don't know if you like, we. I don't think we've ever really talked about her. Uh. She is the Vindicator, and um, she's a Canadian superhero. I think she was formerly called the Alpha Vindicator. She was part of Alpha Squad. I just really, really, really think she's so cool. She, like, lost her husband. She takes up his mantle and, like, becomes a superhero herself. At some point, um, I believe that she becomes, like, a demigod. It's like... She's just super cool. Um, Her name is Heather. She had a baby. She was pregnant. Like how many superheroes have babies? I just think it's cool.
0: Is this also because she's a redhead? Are all of your picks redheads?
1: No, but she's a redhead. <laughs> she's absolutely—I would not know she exists if I had not been literally googling for redheaded superheroes. <laughs> and she wears like a full body suit. It's not too revealing, um, and and sometimes it's green and sometimes it's red. Um, and the fact got that the she maple just like leaf on a, it. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so I discovered her while I was doing Team Epic, and and that's when she became. Like at that point, I was like, she is me. We're the same. She's my favorite one. Um, And so I think she, I can't wait for her to have a TV show um, or a movie or something. Um, I just think she's great.
0: With the way that uh, Marvel is just throwing characters into these universes, I'm sure we'll see her at some point. Uh, That's a really cool one. I like that you went directly to the comic book. My next one has a comic book as well, but definitely a TV series series. That we have seen the lovely and talented Buffy Summers, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am putting her in my number two spot. She is my number two superhero of all time. Uh, favorite show of all time, as you know, Ivana, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I'm putting her at superhero status. She's got super strength. She's got superpowers. So as far as I'm concerned.
1: And she has a comic book series.
0: Oh, great I- comic book series.
1: I feel like I feel like I have. How did I not think? Like I have to. I'm just gonna. Oh, you my were busy
0: digging up the vindicator to add to your list.
1: No, I mean, like I think I'm just maybe gonna replace my number one. Whoa, whoa, Buffy Summers.
0: Don't be so so hasty. I'm gonna want to hear what that number one is.
1: I know, but like Buffy Summers is better. It's a better choice.
0: Buffy Summers has. uh for me, like the most relatable superhero. She's just, yes. she is just a girl who has been tasked to save the world, but she's still just a girl. Like Black Widow, she's a freaking super spy and acts like a super spy. And she knows what she's got. She works her angles and she does it. Like, I don't know if I could have a beer with, with Natasha Romanoff. I'm sure she wouldn't Absolutely. mind. Absolutely,
1: You cannot have a beer with Natasha Romanoff. You know who can? <laughs> Captain America. He's earned that right. Yeah,
0: Captain America's earned that right. Like,
1: But you, you, my friend. No, 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 no. There's like a military near.
0: aspect to Black Widow where like yeah. you're like a brother in arms. I have not earned that. But Buffy will hang out with Xander. So she will hang out with me. Literally, the criteria for Buffy is don't be an asshole and I will be your friend.
1: I actually like I honestly like it's so brilliant. I honestly I'm just like tossing out my number one. I'll tell you who it was. but <laughs> well, who was but, it? I, well, we'll we'll we'll, I'll, we'll do the little conversation. Let's just keep talking about Buffy for a second because I'm now fully aboard your, your bandwagon here. Yes, Buffy Summers is the best superhero because she's like... Actually, has emotions about this. Sometimes she doesn't want to fight the world. Sometimes she just wants to have a boyfriend, and I think that that's what makes her the best in some ways. Because she is how you would feel if you woke up tomorrow and someone said, "Dude, I don't care what you have going on. Now you also have to save the world, whether you want to or not." Yeah, it's that's like,
0: that's the thing. Like Spider Man, uh, you know. All these superheroes who just accidentally got superpowers, you can go any way you want. Buffy gets superpowers and is like, now has a guy who has to tell her what to do and she has to do it.
1: That is so hard. Because she's like in a line of people, like she knows that she goes until she dies. Like... Also, that's, like, think about that for a minute. Think about the fact that, like, you know, the second you die, and this is not, this is after, of course, she wakes up. Like, this is assuming that we haven't gotten to the place where she woke up all the other Slayers, okay? We're, like, back in in the pre-world for the moment. Like, what you are grappling with is that, oh, hey, the world is on your shoulders, whether you want it to be or not and if you don't fight the world ends and on top of it you're going to keep fighting until you die and then someone else is going to be the slayer and there will always be a slayer but you have to be the one and the only outcome at the end of the day for you is to die so and and the fact that then and now we can fast forward to now she woke up all the other slayers She changes everything like she says, I don't care what you've told me is the reality. I'm going to make it a different reality. And I think that also is what makes her the best superhero and why she's my number one now.
0: And when she does wake up all those other slayers, she doesn't just like screw off and go like, I guess I don't have to do it now. She in then the comics happen. And she assembles them and she seeks them out and makes sure that they're okay. And like, it, you can join our wicked female commune of Slayers if you want, because we're all helping each other. And I, I, and, I don't know. I love and the it. the
1: fact that she gives that like that choice to people and the fact that she also cares about them. I think there's something about the way the Buffy cares about people that's a little bit more personal than some of the other superheroes. So some of the other superheroes, they're they're almost like gods, right? Like they're our modern day Greek on Olympus gods, right? Right, right. And, and we often write them in that way. So they don't really feel as human. And so even though they love the little people and fight for them, it doesn't feel as personal as when Buffy does it. And I think that there's a human aspect to Buffy that, is actually the the true magic of that character.
0: So you are now switching to number one. I still have a number one.
1: Yeah. What's your number? I'll tell. Do you want to know what? Yeah, my why number don't you one would tell
0: me what your number one was? Because I want to see if there was ever any crossover.
1: Uh, it was Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah. Okay. So my number one is Wonder Woman.
1: Okay. Nice. All right. So and let's talk
0: about Wonder Woman. I just think all the nice things we just said about Buffy, Wonder Woman. Has all of that, even though she has this responsibility, she has this, you know, she makes a choice. She was trained to, like, be away from men and has to understand this world that she's not a part of this world. Like, that's the other relatable p- thing about Buffy. Like, she's actually a part of this world. She's always belonged. Whereas, yeah. you know, Diana has to figure out how she's going to be a part of this world. Because she's been on an island full of wicked ass women for her entire life until she discovers so she's when a god. When you
1: think of Diana, are you thinking like our current Wonder Woman and the current Wonder Woman movies?
0: Or I am. Is
1: it kind of bigger than that?
0: I am. I am sort of thinking of the personification of what we've seen in Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Uh, just that really, really big heart. I love a hero with a lot of heart. You can write a hero and be the most stoic, badass, awesome warrior woman ever. But if you don't give her a personality that I'm like going to be into, I you're not going to make it on my top three list for sure. And I think Wonder Woman and Wonder, even Wonder Woman 1984 with all of its flaws, I genuinely believe. It, it has amazing intentions and a lot of heart.
1: Yeah, there are flaws with Wonder Woman 1984, but like it was so fun. And like, yeah, the ending kind of sucked. But other than that, it was great.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it embraced the cheesy, which I also I absolutely love. And, you know, is it my favorite female led movie? I don't know if it is, but uh, it, but we're talking about our heroes and yeah. Wonder Woman is definitely that for me.
1: I, I think what I love about Wonder Woman is that she's iconic. Like, Wonder Woman is the first superhero. Again, I chose her actually not based on the movies, although it's that isn't a mark against her. But when she was my number one, which she's not anymore, it was because of the comic book Pictures And the comic book images that I kind of like grew up with, she's just so iconic to me. And she's really like, yeah, you're right. Like the thing that defines her as a character is her love of humanity and her kindness. But I think that she's much more of a Greek god. Yes. In every aspect of her. Like she she doesn't feel that human to me. And she feels like a benevolent, loving all-knowing mother figure, God type thing, like like Athena.
0: Yeah, and, and let's face it, like in the comics, Wonder Woman is not always warm. She is exactly what you're talking about—that Greek god who gets angry, will kill, and he has this has a warrior's heart. I but I love the heart from the movies. <laughs> Like I love, I love when she saves Chris Pine in the alley and all of their witty banter. And I love as cheesy and as strange and out of left field as I think it is in the movie. I love the opening with Wonder Woman at the mall in 1984 when she's spinning people and it's the cheesiest thing I ever saw. I, I, she winks at the child How can you not love that? She winked at a little girl. So it's
1: funny that you have read comics where she has this warrior heart and is killing people because I have read mostly comics where she has that kind streak like what we're seeing in the movies. Um, Sometimes maybe a little too much. Some of them that because I have this like book of... um, like Wonder Woman comics, but it's like a compilation of all the short ones from the history of Wonder Woman. And there were times when she was like saving um, Chris Pine's character. What's his name again? Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, yeah. Yeah. And she would like save Steve Trevor. Uh, Of course, this wasn't, you know, the timeline was a bit different. And, And then... He would, like, get zonked, like, he would get knocked out. She would save his life. She would save the day. He would, like, come to and then, like, as a man, assume that he did all this in his sleep. (laughs) Like, and she sits there like a secretary being like, oh, yeah, you did so good. You're so strong, Steve Trevor. So, like, I I remember being, like, offended by how demure she was in some of the comics.
0: Oh, certainly there was some, like... Patriarch crap that went oh, yeah. that went on back in the sixties, but, but she uh, was she was even.
1: kind in those comics and kind to him and kind but, to you people. know. So but was
0: Superman and Batman was was colorful and silly in those comics. Like the, comics have an evolution of being what the kids need at that moment in time. Like the eighties was the was sort of the first time where they. Made comics a little darker, and Mm -hmm. because let's face it, I know what you're saying about Batman, people. I know you are, but really, from like the 50s to the 70s, it was silly, silly comic books, and don't like and 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 was Adam West inspired silliness.
1: Absolutely was, and then it got dark, and then that changed everything. Like Tim Burton, which is why I think that. Keaton and Tim Burton's Batman really changed everything because that was like a big shift but and it also like I think adequately reflected the fear that was going on because that was a time of like actual high crime in the big cities and everyone got afraid of the city so I think you're right. Like superheroes evolve to answer the time that they're currently playing in. But they're like these timeless characters too in their own way. And and I just, yeah. So so I you know, Wonder Woman is great, and I'm so happy that she's your number one, especially because I am now taking Cause Buffy as it. Cause
0: you swapped it. So okay, so let's make Buffy Summers number one and Wonder Woman number two.
1: Love that. That's a great idea.
0: Number three, uh, I will let you decide between your last two because that means two of mine are already there.
1: Ah, okay. Well, um, what do you think? Like, which I, I, the Vindicator is someone that very few people know, but she's like a damn cool uh, superhero. But Scarlet Witch is actually on television, which we were talking about. Maybe that needs to be a prerequisite. And
0: the Scarlet Witch as well has. She's not always hero. She's not always heroic. Even in WandaVision, that ending to me was a different ending to a lot of people. And well, I
1: think that's what's cool about her is she is a bit of a gray hero. Right. Like
0: that's right now is the Vindicator similar or is she like more. Do the right thing.
1: She's always a do the right thing from everything I have ever read. Um, there was a Loki scenario. So at ah. some point she was actually transformed into a demigod from Loki. Love it. So she might have gotten a little more gray at that point. But at some at, 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 then eventually she rejects those powers. So I think she's a bit more of a do the right thing.
0: In that regard... Because it's our listeners, you know, list. I think we go with Wanda.
1: Yeah. You know what? I agree. More people have seen Wanda. Elizabeth Olsen has killed that role and has made what I think was a kind of boring character into something that is exhilarating.
0: Okay. So why don't you kick us off?
1: All right. Number three, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch.
0: Number two, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman.
1: And the number one best female superhero, Buffy Summers, The Slayer.
0: Ah, I love it so much. Do you have some honorable mentions? I got a couple.
1: No, I really just focused on three.
0: <laughs> so I, uh, I'm i going with Adam Eve from the Invincible series on Amazon. Uh, that's the first time I've read. I never read the story, but I really liked Adam Eve. Uh, she's got this cool power where she could just... Is
1: it good? Should I watch it?
0: Uh, Do you like The Boys? Yes. It's animated, violent like The Boys, but I like it more than I like The Boys.
1: All right, I'm going to watch it because I, I like The Boys, but sometimes The Boys is a little hard to watch. Okay. I did not watch season two yet.
0: Okay. Yeah, so Adam Eve, her power is neat. It's like I can just like create atoms. So she just builds anything she wants. (laughs) It's like a really, really what? Like she, and she can fly because she can manipulate the atoms around her. Like she's really cool. Uh, black widow, obviously had to throw a black widow into the mix. Of course. I I mean, we've gotten a, a, a long way away in the MCU from the Russian spy in the comics to, What we have now and even the last film, you know, it's it's kind of a cool idea as like why she's not like full on Russian. I really like it. But also like that end game scene with Scarlet, like my God. Gamora, I am throwing in there. She's one of those stoic warriors, right? Like she's really great. And she's made better as a character because of Star Lord. Chris Pratt elevates her. Because they can play off each other in that way. If well, she was and she there,
1: grounds him, right? Like she, yes. she, grew, like they, they work together. They they're, work they're together, foils. but
0: but you just have Gamora on your own. I'm a little bit like, yeah, okay, sure. Like I, I, I was upset when you died in Infinity War, but I was also like, there's a sequel. I was not that upset. There's a sequel coming. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see you again. We will see yeah. you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then. I, I don't know who to pick from this, but I really enjoy the Birds of Prey film. I know a lot of people didn't. i I I think Harley it's
1: Quinn is awesome. I love that movie. Why do people not like Birds of Prey?
0: I don't know, man, but for me, it's like some of the best uh superhero choreography I have seen, fight choreography of any superhero film, end of story. Like, and I include it above Winter Soldier, which I know everybody's like, oh my god, why do you crazy? No, I'm serious, like. Birds of Prey choreography, the final fight scene where everyone's fighting is way cooler than Winter Soldier, in my opinion.
1: You know, I I absolutely... That movie is a blast. Is it the best superhero movie on the planet? No. But did I have more fun watching that than I had watching like half of like the latest Avengers movies? Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that like Winter Soldier is still my favorite MCU superhero film. And I think is better than birds of prey but i am saying that
1: that particular choreography, th- that choreography is, really is amazing it's amazing yeah, yeah i agree
0: yeah and then of course as soon as miss marvel's disney plus series comes i like i'm going to be there every single morning at 6 a.m. i have to see what's going on with kamala khan i got to wake up becky i'm
1: actually like you've got me really excited miss marvel so i mean like, just looking at her pictures i ha- she's never appealed to me cuz she just seemed so she, hypersexualized.
0: No, 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 no. Ms. Marvel, not not Ms. Marvel from the '90s and early 2000s. Ms. Marvel took the title from her idol, Ms. Marvel. Captain Marvel. She is a teenage Pakistani girl. Who absolutely. Oh, she, I just
1: Googled her. So, who's the blonde one with the boobs?
0: Oh, that's Carol Danvers. That's just like, she, she's like the first Ms. Marvel who became Captain Marvel. And then Kamala Khan, who got these superpowers, became Ms. Marvel. Because here's the best part Kamala Khan is one of us. She is a fangirl. She loves all the superhero shit and geeks out anytime that stuff happens.
1: Wait, wait, no, because Carol Danvers, was Carol Danvers like in the super booby, like in the comics, like the, the character who basically wore. Yes. Oh, and then they basically made her cooler when they actually adopted her for Marvel. So she was like shitty when she was like an original, just uh, comic book character and then they made her more feminist later
0: uh yes yes absolutely absolutely but the coolest thing about kamala khan as ms marvel is that she was uh she's one of the very first very first superheroes of color who represented these young girls she's a teenager she has a pakistani american upbringing
1: when did they? When did when did she get invented? Like when was she created?
0: Uh, she first started in 2014 in her own comic called Miss Marvel, and it was like a massive success right out the gate. Ah, uh, now wow, I read. That sounds her.
1: amazing. She sounds like a fantastic character. She's
0: awesome. She's like a shapeshifter. Well, she's not like she can't change her face or anything, but she can like grow all of her proportions. So if she just wants to grow like her fist so it's massive when she strikes somebody, she can blow up her fist. She's sort of like uh, a little bit sort of like Mr. Fantastic in that way. That she could just kind of expand. How did
1: she get her powers?
0: I don't remember actually uh, how she got her powers. (laughs) I can't quite recall, but she's awesome. That's okay because awesome. I
1: bet you were gonna see it in her TV show. I hope and so. Now you've got me excited. Like I think maybe I really prefer the female-led Marvel shows. I mean, I'm watching Loki, but you know, I'm it's it's like prestige, uh, you know, streaming television. So it's kind of like boring till the end of the episode, and then you're like left on a hook, and you're like, I'm ready for the next one.
0: Well, the finale was this week. It. You got to watch it.
1: There's only six. There's only, There's six, only six,
0: episodes six episodes. You got to watch what? the finale. If only because it's a, it's like it's like WandaVision. If you didn't watch it, you're going to be lost as to what's happening in the movies. When the movies come out. Like it is a. It sets up a lot.
1: Well, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm going to finish it. I've gotten to episode five. I'm definitely planning on watching probably this weekend. Episode six. Jay, your hair is looking pretty rad these days. Like it's long, but like in a in a good way. You've got...
0: People are uh, calling it flow.
1: It's great. Blake also has long hair and he, he's gotten into man buns, oh. which I'm embarrassed to say I am finding like pretty attractive. Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> why not? I mean, hey, like... I don't think my hair is that long yet, but I would too, because what happens is you just start trying to find ways to keep it out of your face.
1: Yes. That's what well, now you know what it is to be a girl. That's like why half the time I have my hair in a messy bun is just keep it out of my face.
0: Keep it out of your face. And that's what like you're looking at me through the webcam right now. My hair's fairly long, but I kind of before we got started, put a bunch of gel in my hands and just smushed it. All the way backwards?
1: Like, yeah, like you, you've you got this, I don't know, Cole Sprouse thing going on <laughs> with your hair.
0: <laughs> yes, I am the Jughead of fashion right now. No, no, for I, sure, though. I, 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 But I'm liking it. Like, I'm enjoying the length. I'm not enjoying the back. The back is starting to get a little mullety. So I think a trim is necessary, but... I think that we're going to see a lot more men after the pandemic. Now that things are opening up, having their long hair and keeping it a little longer than what we were doing beforehand.
1: I absolutely agree. I think we're going to see like a year to two years of people who like, well, my hair grew and it doesn't look that bad. And, and they're going to like show up at the hairdresser and say, can you just do something with this that kind of keeps it longish? And I think that's going to be the new trend.
0: I'm curious if like like most hairdressers can do it. Like, if 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 a barber for
1: sure they can do it. I mean, maybe a, you need to think about going to a salon. That's what like I meant. I go to. because
0: the barber. I go to the barber. I ask for a trim, but it's like short, and everybody around is like, "Yeah, we're getting our trimmed short." So I'm kind of curious. Like, maybe I have to go to a salon to be like I got longer hair. How do so you do it?
1: Blake started going. He started off with those like high end, like kind of hipster men's salons, you know,
0: I, I do. That's all that's around me. And I I'm not paying forty five dollars for 15 minutes in a chair.
1: Oh, no. Those things are they don't do 15 minutes a chair. Just so you know, like a place that Blake went to, they did a paraffin hand wax. There's what? Like 20, 20 minutes of head massage. I do You are not paying need that. for that stuff. <laughs> um, but the last time he went, he went to my hairdresser. And I think that's the that's the thing is you just got to go to a really good guy who knows how to cut long hair.
0: And maybe that's it. Maybe I'll ask Becky where she goes. See if they take guys and go there. That that, uh, that might be they the take answer.
1: Guys and guys are always cheaper even at those places.
0: Well, they should be. Look, I understand Ladies, ladies, I'm not trying to get misogynistic here, but remember for every one cut you get, guys usually have had to go three times. So like, you know, it all evens out in the end on these on these payments.
1: My the place I go to, which is in Toronto, I haven't actually ever gotten my hair cut in the States. And I think I'm going to have to because we have to be in the States now for the rest of the year, basically. But the place I go to, um, they did it brilliantly. So it's totally based on how long your session is. So it's gender neutral pricing. Doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. But if you want a half hour in the chair, it costs a certain amount. And they recommend that for like if you're a guy and you have short hair, right? Or a girl and you have short hair. Because no matter what, in that situation, you have short hair. Yeah,
0: you're not (laughs) there that much longer. And that chair can be given to somebody else. I mean, you can make more money.
1: Right. And then they have a 60-minute haircut for, like, people who have maybe simple haircuts. And then they have what I go for, which is the 90-minute haircut, because I want my hairdresser to spend all the time making sure that my hair is perfect and it's worth every penny. But it's because I have long hair and I want them to take the time to make it good. And so I kinda love that.
0: Are you also getting it like colored or anything like that? Or do you do that yourself? No, that's
1: all that's that's extra. This is we're just talking cut. Just I've cut. I've actually yeah just cut and And so you just book how long do you think that you need your cut to be. So, And I love that because it takes the gender out of it. uh, Because I think if you have short hair, you have to go back more frequently. It doesn't matter what gender you are. 100%. You're you're absolutely You're also there shorter. It just used to be that girls often had longer hair and guys often had shorter hair. But now, who knows what anybody has.
0: Anybody can have anything. Series Survival. We are back with another series survival. Ivana, we did our first one. We got three more shows. Will they make it past first season? Which one do you want to start with? Uh,
1: I want to start with Welcome to Flatch, which is going to be coming on the air at Fox It's a half hour comedy. Why don't you go ahead and describe it?
0: All right. So basically it's a documentary style comedy series that is uh, about life in a small town in America. They position it in a way that it's like hopeful and has heart, but it's pretty funny. And like a lot of weird jackass type stunts going on throughout this entire trailer. Uh, not that it's a jackass show, just that they're just trying to find something to do in this small town.
1: Yeah, like it's it's by the producers of The Office, and um, think of it like Letter Kenny, but in M- Middle America, small town.
0: That's I a that's really what it's yeah, like. that's a really good way to uh, to explain it. Sean William Scott is in it, and uh, You're the Worst actress. Yeah, the girl from You're the Worst, she's so good. And the boys, Aya Cash, who yes, we both adore. Aya
1: Cash. Yeah, she's so good. For me, the trailer was stolen by the two leads, or who I feel as though are the, they're the leads. Two actors who I've never seen before, who are super funny. Um, They look to be like they're in their... Early twenties, playing teenagers, and it, I, I'm here for it.
0: Great part is they're cousins, so I don't think we're gonna get any silly romance happening between these two hilarious friends.
1: Oh, I, that would ruin it. I don't, I don't see that at all for that show. No silly romance there.
0: Well, do you see a season two in the future for Welcome to Flatch?
1: So here's the thing, I think it's going to be brilliant. And based on the trailer alone, I actually think it's going to be just so much fun after like such a hard like last like year and a half with the pandemic. I think people are looking for comedy and I think that's going to go in its favor. I also think that America likes to watch shows about middle America and I think America likes to watch comedies where it's like small town. You have a really good track record with people who love Trailer Park Boys. You have a good track record of people who like Letterkenny. I mean, that's like a hidden gem that many people love. And this feels as though it plays in that arena. And I think that it has a market. And I think that market likes Fox. So and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say
0: renewed Jay, what do you think? Uh, I do think you are wishful thinking. I think it'll be a a fun show, and I think people will just miss it. I don't think that that it's going to find an audience on Fox. I feel like sports rain on Fox. I feel like uh, action rains on Fox, but I feel yeah, like you comedies forget just Brooklyn Nine Nine
1: started on
0: Fox, and, and then. Boom. But then see, they it got season
1: it. two, they, but it did get season two, right? It had two seasons on Fox, then they booted it, then it moved to NBC, which is where it should have been in the first place. And, and they I were always
0: think- leasing that from NBC, just so you know, Fox never produced it. It was always NBC producing that show.
1: Oh, that's why it felt like it was like such an NBC show. To me, this feels like it's going to have a place. I'm going to wishful think on this one, and I am saying renewed.
0: I am saying not renewed. How about we talk about Abbott Elementary, which is a an ABC comedy about, I guess, like an underfunded school, a public school, in a, uh, I guess it's a predominantly black neighborhood in America.
1: What this show has going for it I think is the cast seems pretty promising. W- what do you think? What do you. All right. Do you well,
0: think I'll, is- I think this is going to be hilarious. I think this is going to be a really fun show. I definitely like the cast. I I think there's great charisma. And we've got that uh, one guy from Everybody Loves Chris and Everybody Loves Chris was a fairly successful first, second season show. Um, that was Fox too, wasn't it? I great question. No, it was CBS. It was Ah, CBS. CBS. You're right. CBS.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
0: yeah. I only know that because it is right there on my Paramount plus account and that is all CBS shows. Uh, But yes. So I think that this has every potential to win and I think it will win. I think it's going to get a second season for whatever reason, this feels funny and fresh. And a little hint of New Amsterdam, which New Amsterdam is like a juggernaut on television. And I think.
1: I don't understand where you're getting this New Amsterdam hint. First of all, New Amsterdam is a medical procedural.
0: A hundred percent. And it had like a real gimmick off the top. I think that these teachers are going to do things a different way. Just like the New Amsterdam staff do things a different way and have a different mindset. Um, While also having to deal with parents of children today in the public school system, which will be just ridiculous.
1: So I thought the show looked promising. I didn't think it looked nearly as funny as Welcome to Flatch. And my initial instinct is to say that it's going to be canceled and it's not going to find its legs. But... And here's the but, and this is where I'm really torn and I'm thinking out loud, I haven't made any decisions here. Shows about teachers, even though they're often not that well watched, like they have like kind of middling ratings, shows about teachers tend to get a second season. Like um, the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he had that show where he was a teacher and that got all the way into season three. It, they just somehow skate by and that's what makes me want to say renewed. But then the other part of me just thinks that this is not right for ABC. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's a home. Oh man. I, I
0: also believe there is an area where ABC could plop this in and pick up a lot of viewers. So it, it ABC is doing really, really good things right now. They've got the Bachelor franchise. They've got Dancing with the Stars. There's built-in audiences in the ABC lineup where yeah, they they're, could, watching,
1: they're, they're watching reality TV on ABC. They're but they're also really watching
0: a- Home Economics and the Goldbergs. And yeah. you slide that in to an already existing you know slot, I think you get a second season.
1: I think it's going to get a second season and then I think it's going to get canceled. That's what I think. I don't think it's ever going to really find an audience, but you're right. They're going to slide it in with Home Economics. Home Economics is brilliant and it's going to ride that wave with very middling reviews. It's going to get a second season and then it'll get canceled because that's what happens to a lot of teacher shows.
0: I think it's not going to have middling reviews. I think people are going to like it, Uh, but I do think it'll skate by into season two, Just because of what's surrounding it. But I I do think it'll be hidden gem, maybe much like home economics, because not enough people would be talking about that show. And I'm learning that we are (laughs) in our like third season of series survival, really, really (laughs) playing our TV knowledge against each other more so than ever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our last one here, we've got The Cleaning Lady. It's another Fox show. This is actually a drama. Looks like it's a drama in the vein of a Breaking Bad. You have a... Uh, yeah, like
1: <laughs> I, I was watching it thinking, why isn't this an FX show? I can see that it's not an FX show. Like they didn't do it like an FX show, but they set a plot and characters that feel like they should be on an FX show. But now they're on a... Fox show, which means it has a slightly different tone to it.
0: And she is cleaning up dead bodies for gangsters.
1: That's it. She is uh, an illegal immigrant from the Philippines, was it? Did they say that? She
0: said Manila. So I believe... Yeah, Manila's in
1: the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has a child. He has medical issues. She needs money. She's not allowed to get medical care in the States because she's an illegal and uh, and she finds this opportunity, right? This opportunity one not to be killed and two to save her son. She's also a doctor. It's got good energy. Like I have to say, I'm intrigued by that trailer.
0: But are you so intrigued that not only will you tune in, but you will bet that it will make it to season two?
1: No, I think it's gonna get
0: canceled. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here was my know, initial reaction. As soon yeah, as I yeah. saw the kid in a quarantined bed, I was like, this is going to be too doctory. Like there's too much medicine in this. And I think just with the times we're in, we don't need more medicine shows. We don't need more doctor shows. And I know it's a cleaning lady of crime. It's sort of like breaking bad. Oh, I'm cleaning up the dead bodies. Cause I'm, so good with this cleaning shit. Again, it's a really weird premise and it just doesn't look like it's going to hold anyone's attention more than a couple of episodes.
1: See, I think that I'm going to fall in love with this show. It's got a good Fox fancy kind of editing vibe to it. I really enjoy the the tone of the show and I haven't seen that with the subject matter. But the subject matter lends itself more to like prestige TV where characters can grow. Fox is not a place where characters can grow. Fox is a place that can be nighttime soaps, that can be like certain comedies for one or two seasons, then they kind of die, animation series that live forever, and sports, as you said. I also think Fox is the wrong network for something this progressive. Am I crazy here?
0: I, I think, uh, no, I I think you're bang on as well. I don't know how many, uh, you know, I don't know if the Fox middle America audience of white people are tuning in to watch uh, people of color. I uh, like in their leading dramas. I don't know.
1: I, I, I honestly, maybe I'm just wishful thinking. I, I think that could happen. I just think there's a mismatch here this is not going to find its legs on on that network.
0: Yeah. So that is this week of series survival. That means that Ivana and I said the same thing for two shows and uh, one differed. This is how these little inches are how we will win. This is what
1: changes, right? Like who's going to win and lose. (laughs) Welcome to Flatch is totally going to get a second season. I think it's going to be a runaway hit. It's going to be the next office.
0: Oh my God. No, it's not. It's Film
1: Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. This week, we dive deeper down the David Lynch rabbit hole. We just watched Mulholland Drive. And when I say just, I mean it. We literally just finished and hopped on to record this episode. And uh, let's get into it. This movie is about a fresh faced. Innocent Canadian girl named Betty, who lands in Hollywood, ready to be discovered while house-sitting her famous aunt's lovely apartment. She lands in Hollywood, ready to be discovered while house-sitting her famous aunt's lovely apartment.
0: Only when she arrives, she realizes that she's not alone. A mysterious dark-haired woman is showering at the apartment.
1: Soon, she discovers that the dark-haired beauty is an amnesiac who's been in a car accident. The two of them become fast friends and decide that they'll team up to uncover the woman's identity.
0: Oh, but we should mention, uh, (laughs) we saw that car accident at the beginning of the film. And she is also definitely carrying a purse.
1: Right. And inside that purse, there are stacks of cash and then this strange blue key. And that's it.
0: So over the next few days, these two play detective, all the time preparing and absolutely killing an audition, which leads Betty to be discovered by the Hollywood bigwigs.
1: And then that's when the mystery and the sexual tension wind up to a hundred. Betty and her mystery woman fall for each other Hard.
0: Then in the middle of the night, Betty's mystery lover insists that they book it across town to a theater where they watch some strange performances and discover a blue box is also in Betty's purse.
1: So they go home and they put the strange blue key into the blue box, opening it.
0: And that's where we'll stop. Uh, it's going to be really hard not to spoil this film so if you have any inkling to see it, it's David Lynch's magnum opus. Like, here is your point to exit, because we are going to talk about this movie and ruin and the movie. We're going to spoil the shit out of it.
1: <laughs> and, and I feel like if you actually want to see this movie, um, this is the point where you can, like, pause, go watch the movie, and then join us again for the rest of this discussion.
0: Absolutely. But i I would urge you, if you don't care, that's cool. It, totally up to you. But if you do care, it's going to get bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, full spoilers ahead.
0: <laughs> uh, so okay, Ivana, okay. what um, well, first before we get into spoiler territory, before we get into like our ideas of this film and then what we think of Betty or Diana or whoever the hell she is. Uh, initial thoughts of the film.
1: So I, and I've now seen a total of two David Lynch films. Clearly I'm like obviously super well versed in his work. I I find his films strange and yet captivating. Um I can I, I I'm like enthralled, but I'm not sure if I like it. And then I'm like, think about it. And I feel like that's exactly the, I, f- I feel like the same emotional experience that we had with his first film. um, Although this is like a completely different movie. You, what did
0: you think? All right. So, you know, those people, uh, I'm going to lump you into these people, Ivana, uh, who are trying to better expand their mind when they reach for a new book. Yeah. They're like, they want to dive into like outrageous, surreal fiction or crazy sci-fi or like a non-fiction mind-blowing romp through time and space that like has them thinking differently at the end of it. Definitely. Yeah, I, I'm not one of those people. Like if I want to read a book, usually going to be fun and probably have some monsters in it. So I never thought that that was going to be me when it came to my movie going taste. But I feel like watching Mulholland Drive made me a believer. I am not into surrealism and I felt like this film was a chore. I I'm happy I saw it. I I'm I'm glad that I took it all in. I understood what I watched, I think. Um but critics have named this the best film of the 21st century. And I'm liking it to The Room, like the pacing of The Room. The like, pacing
1: of The Room. Oh, I, I fully disagree with that. But this is not the best film of the 21st century either. This is not the best film of the 21st century, but it was
0: cool. Film critics have named this film number one. Like, out of 200 critics, 177 voted number one Mulholland Drive. And I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so I think I really, really like this film. I haven't figured out if I'm that's true or not yet. This is the thing about David Lynch movies is, like, they're... I can't figure out if I like them or not, but I do know that I'm captivated and I do know that I'm like thinking like they make me think. And, and I sit there being like, why is this so enthralling to me with the exception that they, he needed to have shaved 20 minutes off of this film needed 20 minutes off.
0: And I can see some real classic Hollywood influences. And you know, a movie does not need to be feel good for me. Like I, Sunset Boulevard was not feel good and it blew me away. Like I loved it. Uh, you know, in fact, like a lot of the classic Hollywood movies do that. And I was wondering after this was over, because I feel like the pacing and the, uh, the act, some of the acting, not all of the acting, but some of the acting was stilted with delivery lines in the way that I would have seen a sunset Boulevard, a, uh, you know, an ace in the hole, or, well, or these older and films, and it's also
1: obviously like it obviously throws to those films, right? Like at the end, of course, right in the beginning. Rita
0: Hayworth,
1: totally. Rita Hayworth, right in the beginning when when um after the car accident, there's like literally Sunset Boulevard, like you're looking at it.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. It all takes place in Hollywood, and and maybe I like look back at those films and go. Well, it was quirky and of the time, but if for a 2001 film to be paced like a talkie, I, to me, it's just like, it doesn't, I, don't, I haven't been able to give this film the same like, okay, just because I know what a 2000 film can look like. It can look like fucking American Beauty. Like, yeah, you know I, what I mean.
1: I, I will say that one thing that I couldn't really get over the entire time I was watching it is why it was so soft focus. Uh, right. Like, did that distract you? Because that distracted me. I was like, why? Like, why does this movie look so
0: cheap? It looks cheap. It looked like. It, OK, maybe the room is like a mean thing to say. I'm talking soft core porn. That's what I kept, felt like I was watching, not because they got together, not because the ladies fell in love, just because of the way everything was stilted.
1: The movie looked cheap from moment one to all the way to the end, and I never forgave it for that. I was like, "It's two thousand and one. Why do you look so shitty?" There, like, there just is no reason for a movie to look this shitty. But then I eventually got sucked in by the story. And honestly, the stilted dialogue worked for me. I actually fully appreciate it. It was weird, Um, different actors in the film. It was, it really, like, I feel like there's something about this film that from an acting perspective, and maybe it's because I'm an actor too, like, you really, like, separate the wheat from the chaff in this movie. (laughs) Because, like, when the actors are good that dialogue it doesn't matter if it's stilted somehow it just works and then when the actors are bad it made me feel like I was watching like an independent like film with a zero budget made by someone who was you know ambitious but didn't have the means or maybe the talent to put together everyone that they could have like made the film like sing you know
0: all right. Well, and maybe we're being a little bit mean right now to Mulholland Drive. It does sound like you enjoyed it a little bit more than I did. I would bet bet like my, a buck that you and I have the same exact favorite moment in the film. What is it? The audition.
1: Yes. Oh my god, she was yeah. so good. I. But you so know, so good. Everyone was so fucking nice in that audition. I was like, she walked in. They like, they were all. They were nice. I like that bothered me. Like the beginning of it. I'm like, I'm excuse me, no fucking audition works like that. Yeah, at the end, it all makes sense. And you're like, yeah. No, I actually I didn't mind it at all. I was OK with the end. I, the story, Naomi Watts, Justin Thoreau these people worked for me and they were great. And, and I loved that this was all a dream thing. I don't even think it was a dream. I think it was like half dream, half um, like her, her actual imagination. Like she was like daydreaming.
0: So for me, it was like, and maybe I'm wrong because David Lynch will not confirm or deny anything about his movies. But here's the deal. This is what I got. Everything we watched for about an hour and a half into the film until the moment they saw the dead body. Right. Was imaginary. Like all of that was imaginary, dreamlike. Cr- people she actually knew in real life. But it was all in her head. Yes. Everything we got after opening the box and understanding.
1: Because it was opening was Pandora's she, box, right? You That's right. It was opening truth.
0: Pandora's box. Everything that we got after that was... What really happened? She fell in love with her, with this other person. Yeah. Uh, That person was not in love with her. They were rivals. She was jealous of her. She then was very jealous when she left her and, uh, and then hired a hitman, like all the things up until the very beginning of the film. But the guilt of, I don't think Camilla actually walked away from that car crash business. Or however, like the hitman killed her. Oh
1: well, I. That's think, the thing. I, yeah, like I don't, I don't. She doesn't know how Camilla dies, right? Like I think that. Right. That, she just
0: gets. She gets the key.
1: She just gets the key. So that's right. I think she makes all of it up. Like the car crash was her imagination. Like switching places from her being in that car to Camilla being in the car and like
0: eggs Ex- or, or however in her brain, she was deciding how it went down yeah. because, because for her at that point, like her guilt unravels because we see that she sees, uh, the cowboy three times. Yes. And the cowboy says that your attitude was, um, you know, if you have a poor attitude, basically like if you're a bad person, you'll see me two more times. And you know she's we see him three times in the film. We can equate that to most of this film is just going on in her crazy brain, yeah, so she sees it three times. We know Camilla's really dead, and she blows her brains out
1: i I honestly think that perhaps what it really is is like that's her dying like fever dream in some ways, like
0: oh maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure like. Uh, I, well, the two people I almost turned this movie off.
1: I mean, you <laughs> when, can't have turned the movie off. We have when, to watch it for this podcast. I know.
0: <laughs> I know, but when the two older people from like the sock hop beginning, yep, uh, run out of that damn paper bag, I was like, I can't, guys, I can't. This has gone to a like just to absolute. A level that I'm like I'm following the story. I'm bored, but I'm following along.
1: I don't know how you're. And bored. now you I don't have these grandparents coming bored. out. Like this is the thing. The dialogue is stilted, but the, but then when you realize it's all that first hour and a half, when you realize that all of that is in her head, the stilted dialogue like is so makes sense. It's so makes sense. Yeah. like it's her brain of how she wishes people would talk and be nice and kind. And and it's even how she wishes she could see herself, the like sweet ingenue from Canada who is so innocent. And like, but she's not that person. When you see who she really is, she is not that person.
0: And she even comments on how like, when she's talking about that dream of the guy who's at the counter who sees a woman and never wants to see that woman's face again. Yeah. When we see that in real life, he sees her, yeah, and then she sees the troll lady who he saw earlier, but really, it's, it's her. her
1: exactly. Yeah. And and Look, his face, there's a lot of layers her, to peel and away. He's having, and I think that's your first also mention realizing that it's a dream, it's like it's his dream and it's her dream, and that's like it's just like this weird fever dream that has taken over uh, like Hollywood at that point. I, I mean. Honestly, I don't know how you're bored because the like the stilted dialogue, the everything. How much did you think of of Yorbos, the lobster dude? Yorbos, I forget his last name.
0: Uh, I can't. Yorgos, I can't. Yeah,
1: Yorgos. You're right. Yorgos, something or other. He did. He's the director of the lobster. Like, I feel like so- he's got a
0: hard last name. Give me a second to pronounce. Lanthimos. Yes. Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos.
1: And he, to me, I feel like Yorgos watched Mulholland Drive and like his mind was blown. And that's where half of his movies came from is like David Lynch, Mulholland Drive. Like I feel like.
0: But I'm not Yorgos guy either. Like the favorite I was into. The
1: favorite was amazing. But
0: we've talked about the lobster. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a lobster fan. And I never saw the killing of a sacred deer. I never saw Dogtooth, but I love The Favourite. But The Favourite is also like...
1: His most... Uh, his
0: most accessible.
1: It's Yes, yeah, his most accessible film. But The Lobster, I also was enthralled, but I also hated watching... Like, I hated every minute of watching The Lobster, but was enthralled all throughout. <laughs> and-
0: well, so th- but this is what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm not trying to say that I'm not a person who won't put on a movie that is a little bit more difficult and find the beauty and all of that stuff but I don't think this is it. Like to me, this is a really slow film about Hollywood that has a really crazy turn that you either are super surprised and care about, or you're like, okay, like I get where you're going with this, but obviously there had to be something to this amnesia thing because what a weird plot device. And I don't know, like for me, it felt like a snooze it felt like a chore and and i know I i'm not going to stop watching weird movies that's what i like to do i like to watch all kinds of movies but i'm getting a better picture of maybe these aren't the kind of movies that are uh, in my wheelhouse.
1: I think David Lynch might be like a very much an acquired taste, and I think that a lot of cinephiles really like David Lynch. So, so here is what I like. What astounds me about these pictures, the two that we've seen, is that they both films. Neither are perfect. I think that um, what I love about David Lynch is that he seems to be a really ambitious director. Like, I, I get the sense that he's really trying for something. In In both films, he's trying for something. And I love an ambitious director. Some of my favorite films are from ambitious directors who kind of stumble a bit because when you're that ambitious, it's almost impossible to execute that landing perfectly. Sorry to bother you is kind of like the first one that comes into my brain. Freaking love that movie so much. Not saying it's perfect. It definitely stumbles. The ending, especially, is kind of crazy, but like (laughs) but I, I really like film these directors who are like trying to do something. And I think that David Lynch is one of them. And I think the difference between what you and I see and maybe what a lot of other people see is I don't think he sticks the landing, and it appears to me that many people feel as though he does stick the landing. But I think that he's like inventing things that inspire other filmmakers, and those filmmakers then make their own works. Like Natural Born Killers was obviously like like the the next film that was inspired by Wild at Heart, and and I feel like. Um, y- like, The Lobster came out of this movie. And Mulholland Drive, like, is just so interesting. And I and what he's trying to do is really interesting. I I'm cool with the surrealism. I have no issues with it. I kind of like it. I think it's fun. I don't mind, like, the two people coming out of the bag. Like, you know what? It's a fever dream. She's about to die. Like, I'll buy it. You know, she's just going crazy. But... I cannot forgive the film for how ugly it is. I cannot get, I can't get over it. Why? Why?
0: (laughs) It's so funny. So I was talking to our, uh, our mutual buddy, Joe before this. And I said, I think Ivana's going to like the film. I think she's going to really not like the way the film looks. Oh, you you Uh, called it. And, and and I'm not going to really love it because I don't love the story. And Joe was like, fair enough. I I wonder how that's going to go. And it went exactly that way. (laughs)
1: But like I I just I mean like and I'm not saying that I love the film. It's definitely not the best movie of the 21st century of Are the 21st crazy? century?
0: Are you crazy? Requiem. That to me like that to me is well, wasn't Requiem nineties?
1: Oh, was it? Okay, fine. Black Swan even. Like, if you want to go into, like, crazy surrealistic, like, I'm sorry, Aronofsky knows how to stick a landing much better right now than what we've seen oh, with David
0: Requiem Lynch. Requiem was 2000, but is 2000 That's
1: the 21st a part century. of the 20th or 21st? 21st.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as, like, as much as I'm not going back to Requiem because it terrified me, I do think Requiem is a better, a better story. And you know, Aronofsky is the it, king of this.
1: And it has better, like, sound design.
0: Aronofsky probably watches a lot of Lynch.
1: Oh, for sure he does. For sure he 100%. does. A hundred
0: percent. He's picking things out. But Aronofsky's stories are all allegory, right? Like, Take or Leave Mother, Take or Leave Black Swan, I love both of those films. Black Swan, in particular, I would put way... Like, that's, that's a 21st wh- century film that yeah, that's- is significantly
1: Incredible. better than this movie. And and I and I particularly picked him because they're both probably talking about similar audiences, right? Like people who like Aronofsky probably also like Lynch. But you know, here's the thing and here's why I think we got to give Lynch his due. Lynch is the one that seems to be inventing this shit for other directors to refine, right? And so there is something to be said for the guy who's the first one doing something that no one else has done before. And this isn't a no one else has done before either because he's definitely, you're right, nodding to old Hollywood in many ways throughout this movie.
0: He's also tapping into French New Wave. like he's Absolutely. He's, like the surrealism style of filmmaking is and, across the un—like international boundaries. But he's, he's finding things like The Wizard of Oz to inspire him to make Wild at Heart. Like that is, that's interesting things. Do you not feel like this movie is also
1: Wizard of Oz? I feel like there's so much of Wizard of Oz in this movie. This movie is more Wizard of Oz to me than Wild at Heart.
0: Of course. Yeah, me too. Like here's, but this is what I'm saying. Like he is a guy who lets art influence and wash over him to create his art. And his art is washing over and helping create a new, an Aronofsky or somebody else, right? Like, It's, it is very much the definition of art. Cannot take that away. Yeah. It's not like big budget Hollywood filmmaking. It is, but I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know why it feels it's paced the way it is and it's cheap and it's, it looks the way it does. I don't understand it.
1: I like the pacing. That's one thing where I... I, I
0: don't like the pacing in this film. The, it feels like. scenes Hey, to Mark. Be cut. That's what it feels like to me.
1: Certain scenes. Like, okay, what I will... You want to know what my f- least favorite scene was in the whole fucking thing? The stupid theater with the performances. What the fuck? Why did that exist? Why did that... What was up with that?
0: Oh, because that was a prelude of everything is an illusion before realizing everything was an illusion. Oh! Oh.
1: Did I really need to see more than a minute of that, though?
0: I don't know. You could have chopped a lot of time. This is also—it's like a two and a half hour film.
1: It should have been a two-hour, <laughs> ten-minute film. Like that would have been perfect. But you—you you should have cut twenty minutes. Like certain scenes, there were times where the scenes really dragged on. You should have cut twenty minutes.
0: Our little experiment in the world of David Lynch. Has gone, interestingly enough, I think I like Wild at Heart better than I like Mulholland Drive, to be fair. It's crazy, but I, I had f- more fun watching that than I did Mulholland Drive, and I gave that three stars. Does that mean I give Mulholland Drive two and a half? I think
1: it does. I think I give this three Three stars for me. I liked Three it. Three
0: stars. It's yep.
1: Naomi Watts. I don't think I ever knew how good an actor she was until I saw this movie. She carries this movie on the on her back, and if anyone else was cast, I don't think it would have been so good.
0: I fell in love with Naomi Watts when she was in King Kong, when she started doing the song and dance number for a giant CGI ape. I fell in love with that girl. <laughs> it was like ah, you're 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 charming as all hell, and then watching her in this, obviously. She's great like I love her naivete and then immediately she's like this sex kitten audition and I was like amazing what a great turn. Oh my God that Um, sex
1: kitten audition the way that she takes the scene and just turns it so much more interesting. So much
0: more interesting than what she was doing with Camilla. Absolutely. Back running the lines. Uh, and then when she like gets him to like she takes his hand and grabs her ass and everything. Yeah. And everybody loses their mind. And I was like, wow, this is this is some horse shit. Like what's going
1: on? <laughs> this is who that's who she wishes she was, but exactly. really. Exactly.
0: Of course. She's yeah, not that. She's not that. She she's really second fiddle to the director who is screwing her lover. And her lover never says I love you. Even in the dream, she wouldn't say. It.
1: I know. Like that is
0: awful. But anyway, whatever.
1: Well, that's that's I, where you know you know that the person doesn't love you so hard that you can't even make it up. And that's like I, I know. Break of it all. It's very interesting.
0: I think this is a film. You know why this film is uh, a good film? I'm not going to say a great film. I can't go that far. It's a good film because you could probably talk about it for a really long time.
1: Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. I think that that's definitely the mark of a good film. Okay, one scene that I didn't get, honestly, to God, I don't understand. Why, you know, at the fancy Hollywood dinner when she's at the table with her ex-lover and Justin Thoreau and, and why does a girl come up and kiss her lover in that scenario? Oh,
0: because that specific girl was the Camilla Rhodes- of the dream,
1: yeah, but w- why are they kissing? Like, because isn't oh, that just reality? So like, uh, like that. That well, I, I don't.
0: I don't know why they kiss that way. And then, like looking at her, it was so like in your face. And also, awful. but why would
1: you do it in front of your fiance? Like, do you like so? Like everything else, the dream to the real, get it. But now you're in the real. But I'm seeing a dream sequence in the middle of the real. And I never, I, I to this, I don't understand that, that scene at all. Like, I Maybe guess, she made
0: it, maybe that was in her head too. Maybe she was so crazy. Yeah,
1: maybe it was all in her head. Like, maybe that she that never went was to in that dinner. part was in her head dinner. too. Yeah.
0: Because, look, did Hollywood make psychopaths? Or was she already a psychopath?
1: <laughs> probably, probably she was already one.
0: So, listen, the David Lynch experiment has been exciting. I do not want to do another David Lynch film. What are we watching next time?
1: All right. Well, I've been watching this new show and I really want to talk about it. And I want the world to be watching this show. It's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Uh, it's with Ann- Annie Murphy from Shits Creek. And um, I really am excited to see what you think.
0: Annie Murphy's great. Hey, Canadian... Um, she's a star. I I'm down to watch this, uh, half hour comedy.
1: Oh no, <laughs> but it's kind of like a half hour comedy.
0: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's I'm excited 45 to watch minutes, it.
1: Just for, for your information, 45 to 50, I think an episode.
0: All right. I'm excited to try it. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time.
1: If you'd like to support the show, you can hop onto your favorite podcast service and subscribe. And if you're feeling super generous, we would love it if you could just give us a rating and a review.
0: Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors and our sound effects.
1: Jay and I love to hear from you, so we built a website, morethemovies.net.
0: And in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at moreofthemovies.net.
1: We're also on Facebook, forward slash more the movies Podcast,
0: Or catch either one of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester Jay. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again in two weeks with an all-new episode.
1: Until next time, friends.
0: Do more.
1: And watch more.